Welcome investors to the Absolute Return Podcast, your source for stock market analysis, global macro musings, and hedge fund investment strategies. Your hosts, Julian Klamotko and Michael Kesslering, aim to bring you the knowledge and analysis you need to become a more intelligent and wealthier investor. This episode is brought to you by Accelerate Financial Technologies. Accelerate, because performance matters. Find out more at accelerateshares.com. Welcome, podcast listeners, to the Absolute Return Podcast. On today's show, we welcome special guest, Mulek Science founder and CEO, Gaston Palladini. Mulek is a science-based food ingredient company that is going public through a merger with SPAC Light Jump Acquisition. On the show, Gaston discusses what is molecular farming and how did it originate, how they produce meat molecules with plants, why meat alternatives are necessary, His biggest challenge as an entrepreneur and more. A point of disclosure, the Accelerate Arbitrage Fund ETF holds warrants of SPAC light jump acquisition that is merging with Mulek. But with no further ado, here's our discussion on molecular farming with Mulek Science CEO Gaston Pelladini. Welcoming Gaston from Mulek Science on the show today, going to talk about everything that's going on in plant-based and and alternative meats and all the innovation happening in food today. So Gaston, joining us from Argentina, how are things down there these days? Hi, Julian. Thank you so much for this opportunity to talk about Mulek Science and the alternative protein landscape. Uh, I don't know if you if you know, but I'm, I'm based in Argentina because I'm I'm uh, part of a fam- mid family business. Um, I'm that's Paladini Group. That's my, the, the brand of a, of a company. It's my last name, the last name of the whole family. I'm, I'm fourth generation, and uh, I, I have been invested in the traditional meat industry my whole life. So traditional farming, you raise some cattle slaughter them, chop it up, cook up the meat, and eat it. Now, there's this new concept, molecular farming, which is basically dramatically different, a lot of uh, complex PhD stuff happening in the lab. So ultimately, what is molecular farming, and how did it originate? Like, where did this come from? Well, molecular farming is not a new technology. Actually, have more than 25 years, uh, but in the pharmaceutical industry, Mostly, uh, mostly vaccines using oh. plants. So Mulek Science is pioneering by using this technology in food. And, and the, the reason why well, we, we use this technology is because allow us to, by the using of, of scientific techniques, engineer plants directly with foreign molecules. And, and we use plants as bioreactors to produce meat protein genes. So see this way, you could produce with scientific approach animal proteins without using animals by different other technologies, for example, microorganisms with big tanks and big bioreactors in labs, or you could use plants as small factories as bioreactors, and that's what we use. We insert directly uh, the specific animal protein genes that improve taste, flavor, color, and nutritional values, uh, and we insert it directly in the germal plants of the main crops used in, in food, such as soybeans and peas. By the combination of these different, these two um, sources, we could get these animal proteins totally necessary uh, in food, 
by uh, with a affordable and a scalable solution by combining it with this with this crop. So we use traditional farming. At the end of the day, what we have we are we are modifying just seeds with animal protein genes inside. Then the crop the crops grows, keeping the original proteins of the plants. Take soybeans. Uh, we are engineering soybeans with meat protein genes inside. So our crops grows with the original proteins of the soybeans and also with animal protein genes to skip livestock, to skip the feed process and go directly into food to get a better soy protein concentrate uh, for the plant-based industry. So we are, we are focused on the, on the upstream, on the IP, and on the technology to get these new seeds and also to the ingredient, to the final ingredient to commercialize our, our food products uh, directly to food producers and ingredient companies. This podcast is brought to you by Accelerate, one of Canada's leading alternative investment solution providers. Do you want to hedge your investment portfolio and protect your nest egg from significant drawdowns? Look no further than the Accelerate Absolute Return Hedge Fund, a long-short equity ETF that trades under the ticker symbol HEDGE, H-D-G-E, on the TSX. HEDGE, your uncorrelated portfolio diversifier. Find out more at accelerateshares.com. So I had never heard of molecular farming prior to researching Mulek science. So it's a concept that's totally new to me. So I was wondering if you could explain it to us from, you know, you start with your inputs and you get your outputs. How can you produce meat molecules with plants? It's not like all of a sudden this beanstalk will grow to a uh, beef patty. <laughs> well, uh, see it this way. It's, uh, it's just a code. You insert a code uh, of, these, of these genes, of these molecules, directly in the germoplasm of the plant. So you give the information to the plant to produce these foreign molecules inside the, inside the plants. So that's, the, that's how the, the, the technology works. Is if you see, see this way, uh, the molecular farming original technology was for, for vaccines, and the farming was not with F, with, with PH, uh. for farming, for farming. And then the, the, the industry started playing with words, by using F, because at the end of the day, what you use is the is a traditional farming to grow your crops with these specific molecules inside the beans. It's totally is totally disrupted now, but in food, and that's why Mulek is a is really pioneer. is a first mover, uh, and now will be in public markets by using this technology in food. So it's effectively taking gene editing from the pharmaceutical industry and applying it to food. Now I was wondering, you know, how do they come out of this? Like, for example, a soybean, what does it end up versus a regular soybean? Is it, does it look the same? Does it taste the same? Does it just have a different molecular makeup with say a higher protein content or things of that nature? What is the difference between a molecular farmed plant and just a regular one? Well, actually, what we are modifying is the protein. Uh, is we are working in the protein content of the plant. We are not increasing the amount of protein or the original amount of protein, but what we are doing is substituting a part of the soy proteins with animal proteins. Uh-huh. So, for example, um, a regular soybean has between thirty-five and forty percent of protein content. Of that protein content, a, a, a significant part. Of, of that protein will be animal proteins. So at the end, at the end of the day, when you will re- crush 
like the, the crushing and the separation of the oil, the starch, and the and, and the, the milling and the and the and the proteins, you will you could recover not only the soy protein that is totally necessary for food, for example, to make plant-based burgers mm-hmm. as a TVP of the plant-based burger as a substitute of meat. But you could also recover with that same process the animal, the real protein genes that could help to replicate and improve the flavor, taste, color, and nutritional values at the at the end of the of, of the formula. That is right now is what 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 is happening is that most of the of the um, uh, food producers are are using synthetics or different other who knows ingredients to mimic. The, the meaty flavor, but who knows who, who, who we are eating. So what we are doing is we are giving back the real animal proteins into the equation by using this technology, but with a more sustainable, affordable, and a scalable way by using plants. Ah, that makes sense. Now, now in terms of the development of Mulex technology, you're saying you're fourth generation of this business down in Argentina. Now, was it developed within that over time and now it's spun off as a separate entity? How did it come to be? Well, no, this is a spin-off of Biosurce Group. Biosurce is a biotech and agricultural company with operations in Argentina, South America, and the United States. So Mulek is a spin-off of both Biosurce by um, expanding um, the, the technology uh, in food now, also Biosurus uh, was the first uh, company to achieve a bovine protein in a plant for the food industry, and that was, let's say, our uh, proof of concept. After our uh, spin-off, we transferred that platform technology and that proof of concept into Bullet, by you, uh, and we started using that experience, team, IP, to uh, expand the technology uh, to alternative meat. Our first product, our proof of concept, was uh, a plant-based chymosine. Chymosine is a bovine protein for the cheese industry. It's a very small market, very specific one, but it's a very interesting molecule uh, for validation. Um, Chymosine was the first molecule um, approved by the FDA FDA in the 90s for precision fermentation technologies. Well, Mulex teams achieved the same with plants by using safflower, safflower seeds. It's a marginal crop, very similar to soy. So that was our proof of concept, and, and, and we, we demonstrate that, that totally feasible, feasible to use plants as small factories to produce animal proteins. So then we say, well, why don't we start using that experience and platform with a much, much more interesting uh, total addressable market opportunity by combining meat protein genes with soy. Uh, surely you know that soy is the queen of crops. No? Mm. It's, a, it's, a, it's a big market. It's the, it's the best meat analog. And, and the, there is plenty of experience by engineering crops with GM traits for different other reasons. So we say, why don't we use the soy platform to, uh, with a different combination? And another learning from the proof of concept was that well, it makes sense to combine these proteins, animals and plant proteins, and, 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 and try not to uh, expend a lot of money by recovering and concentrating the animal proteins and separating both. By combining meat protein genes with soy, makes sense not to concentrate 
the meat proteins because at the end of the day, the food producers need both to formulate um, a plant-based burger. So we have a hybrid approach without animals. So it's animal-free, it's cruelty-free. It's, an, it's a hybrid approach. It's difficult to call it because at the end of the day, uh, who knows what, what is vegan now with science? You know, if, if we are replicating nature by using science and the vegan movement do not eat meat, well, this is a totally new thing. So that's why we believe this is a, definitely an opportunity as a category creator because we are creating a new definition here. Well, this, this is, if, if, I, if vegan people do not eat meat, because of because they don't want meat, that's one thing. This could be a meat protein. But if you are not eating because they don't want to harm animals and they want to give their part to the world by produce by 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 uh, consuming this uh, this product in a more sustainable way, well, this definitely sustainable. And we are not we are taking the animal out of the equation completely because the only thing that we are actually inserting is a code. We are not using animals, but it's the same, the same code that the animal produce daily. And now, a word from our sponsor, Accelerate, one of Canada's most innovative and fastest-growing alternative investment solution providers, with a suite of institutional-caliber alternative ETFs for investors seeking diversification and long-term performance. The Accelerate Arbitrage Fund, symbol ARB on the TSX, is the world's first SPAC-focused ETF, with a diversified portfolio of SPAC and merger arbitrage opportunities in an easy-to-use, low-cost ETF. The Accelerate Arbitrage Fund ETF trades under the symbol ARB on the Toronto Stock Exchange. Find out more at accelerateshares.com. So how does, for, for molecular farming, how does it differ from other solutions in, in the space for plant-based uh, foods such as fermentation or, or cultured meat and, and other options like that? Well, that's a very good question. Uh, we believe that molecular farming should be, and actually I believe is is right now because we are not alone here. We are pioneers, but not alone. That should be the fourth technological pillar in alternative protein after plant-based fermentation and cultured meat. This is a very similar approach compared with fermentation, uh, but it's totally different by using plants and not microbes. What precision fermentation do is like they're engineering microbes and microorganisms to they're modifying microorganisms to to get protein of choice. Yeah. by using a, a controlled environment, uh, bioreactors in labs. And then to scale it is quite a challenge because you need big tanks to similar as what the pharmaceutical industry uh, use. Well, molecular farming um, use plants as, as small factories and the infrastructure is already there. Soy, so, soybean growers are already there. They are growing seeds for feed. See it, see it this way, you know? like the more than the, the, the 80% of the soybeans of the world goes to feed, to feed animals. And between 10, 20 and 10 goes directly into food as an organic, non-GM uh, product. But it's not good enough because what we need more. So what we are doing is engineering that's, that's, that soybeans to skip livestock, to skip feed and go directly into food with a more nutritional, nutritional and, and, and better product. But the growers are already there. It's just a matter of switching seeds. The whole infrastructure is already there. So that's the beauty of our technology, uh, that the only thing that we are actually modifying is just the seed with our IP, with our patents. So then the biology do the rest. The current infrastructure do the rest. 
the only thing that uh, that we are actually modifying is that that protein sh- uh, would be a, a blend, would be an hybrid product at the end of the day, and we could have a better product for, for future customers. And so if I understand correctly, you could use different plants um, as, as your as your input, but you just so choose to use soybean because it already has all of the infrastructure built around it and it doesn't re- require a major change by, by growers. Well, soybeans are our, our core platform, yeah, the for, for sure. There's a bunch of, of reasons why we, choose, we chose soy, but we are also modifying peas. Uh, peas is a very good uh, meat substitute as well. Peas do not have um, um, uh, such as a, the, the, a, a, a good amount of protein. It's at least half percent of the of soy, but this is still a, a very interesting and, and good meat analog. And there is like a movement by no using soy and some other, but there are some other markets that prefers pea. So we diversify our, our molecular farming approach and we start demodifying both. But for sure, soybean is our, our, our core technology, our core platform. But again, and you say it quite well, we could modify different crops as well. And um, we are, we are in, uh, thinking of, of, of starting different other approaches uh, because there is, a, there is no limit what molecular farming could do. I wanted to touch on this from a macroeconomic perspective. Just the basic ideas, you know, why are meat alternatives necessary? Could you talk about some of the tailwinds behind your business? Is it an environmental thing? Because as I understand it, molecular farming and meat alternatives require much less water, friendlier for the environment, or is it you're seeing a larger trend of more vegetarians, more vegans, uh, people just looking to eat less meat, or is it you know a multi-pronged thesis providing these tailwinds for the business? Well, what we know is that we we are expecting that molecular farming could uh, help the environment uh, in three different ways. The first one is less of use of land, and that's a lot. Eight times less of water, and 60 times less of CO2 emissions. So that's definitely a, 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 an ESG approach, a sustainable approach, and, and, um, but that's part of the, of the vertical. Right? That's part of the industry. No? By, no, by skipping the, the lifestyles. Huh? That's, that's one thing. Um, the other thing is that what we are seeing now is that when, when alternative protein industry started, the, the novelty, the, the, the innovation was just to get plant-based, huh? just to get an alternative. And that's it. Oh, this is alternative. And by using plants, that's great. It's absolutely great. But we believe that it's not good enough because it's quite difficult to mimic the mouth experience and the nutritional values. Nature is just one. The nature says that the best proteins are the egg proteins, the meat proteins, the meat proteins, and the fourth position are the plants. You could substitute a product, but you, you can't match it. It's quite difficult to, to match nature. So by the only thing that you could match, match nature is by using science and, 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 and technology. So that's the main difference uh, compared with plant-based. Uh, so I believe that plant-based made a great, great thing 
to create the market, to, to educate the consumer, to educate the big players. Now it's time for Mulek and, and a bunch of, 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 of great scientific companies I start using scientific techniques to replicate what nature's do, do best. Is huh? if we if if and and on, on, on the other side, it's a consumer, and the, and we know that the, the vegan the vegan uh, market is still a niche, and probably will stay as a niche. Right. The big market here is the people that is conscious about the environment, yeah. that they want to balance their diet, but they are very very aware of what they are eating, and they want to balance their diet during the week. And that's a very, very big market. And that market is growing in two digits of Kegar. So, so we are, I'm not vegan. I'm not the typical alternative protein founder that is against the traditional industry. I'm, 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 I know, I, I, that's, that's why, because of where I come from, of course. And at the same time, it's because it's quite impossible to substitute all. Let's be honest. It's a, this is a, just only a meat is $1 trillion market. And what the projectors are, are saying is that this will get at least 100 billions in 2030. So, <laughs> and this is 1 trillion. So this is a huge market, but what we could do is to boost the system, is to help the system, because what is wrong here is, not wrong, but at least what is harming the, the environment and the, is, the, is, is how the system works. And, and, and I think that probably we are not going to be alive when, when, when new disruptive technologies will substitute, I know, print a whole animal. But what we could do now is to use the science that is available now and, 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 and had already proved that works to produce different, different things to use it in food. And that's what we believe what we, we should start doing is like, to, to educate the consumers, and timing is great for this, to educate consumers and the whole landscape that we need to use science to overcome the major challenges in the food, the, in the food system. Because we are right now in a food crisis because of Ukraine-Russia war, because yeah. of inflation. So there is plenty of food security issues and, and the people is really concerned about it. And what we believe that could uh, that, that by, by the using of, of, of scientific approach, we could overcome that challenges. The same what 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 the science done with with, with the pharma needs uh, and uh, see what happened with with COVID. It's a really good point in terms of consumer preferences. It's really a balancing act because, as you indicated, it's difficult to match nature, and consumers are looking for that nutritional value provided by meat and mouth experience, taste, etc. And nature makes a pretty darn good steak. So from your perspective, where is the technology now and where do you expect it to go in the future? For example, someone like myself, you know, I love steak and you being down in Argentina, great beef down there. I'm sure you enjoy it as well. How long will it take to have you know, a solid alternative to a great medium rare steak from molecular farming? Well, it's very difficult uh, to, to match a, a good Argentinian steak. <laughs> or, uh, or something but, else, maybe sausage or bacon or chicken or whatever but it see is. This way, see this way, give me, let me give you some numbers. Close to 70% of that trillion 
of alternative of, of meat is uh, processing meat. Right. Thirty percent is the steak. Right. The nature. Yeah. The seventy percent are processing meat. Mm. That's burgers, sausages, nuggets, cold cut products, etc. Right. Huh? 70%. And that 70% that processing meat, that's what I really know because that's my, 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 my family business. We are the largest processing meat players in Argentina. Uh, and, and I really know how to make cold cut products, sausages, burgers, and so on. And that processing uh, meat industry is a, is a mix of ingredients. Huh? You, use, you use meat, you use fat, you use plant proteins, you use water, you use oils, you use uh, a specific additives. It's, it's, like, it's like, like cooking. Huh? It's a recipe. You need ingredients. This is not you. This is how the industry works. Huh? The sausages, the big players. Huh? That's what people is eating now to get that trillion as a market, a whole market. So my point here is what Mulekora farming is doing is not trying to replicate the 30% of the state. That's a small market. I really like to do it, but there are some other scientific companies trying to replicate that state. Quite right. difficult to get it, yeah. but I hope that they could get it. But what we are doing is like disrupting and putting all our focus, all our focus on the seventy percent of that trillion by getting the commodities of the future, the plant-based ingredients of the future, by combining these meat protein genes with plants, and could and, and, and we expect to supply these these big processing meat players with a better ingredient. So I, I will, is it, right? maybe it's, it's, it's difficult to understand the business because we are B2B. So our focus is on the, 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 the ingredients. Yeah. By the best way to, to see it is that if you take a burger, uh, 50% is water, and let's say a plant-based burger, 50% is water, 40% is TVP, is like a texturized vegetable uh, products, uh, so protein, plant proteins, and the other 20% is oil and a specific additives to mimic experience. And what Mulek is doing is playing in that 50%. The TVP, because we are engineering soybeans and pea, and that matrix of plant proteins are in, in ter- are already there in our crops and our, our ingredients, and the specific additives by using nature and not a black box of who knows of, of, of ingredients. So see it this way, it's a great, great big, big term, and we are focusing on the big part, the big piece of the pie. And so totally logical to be focusing on the processed meat as opposed to a nice fancy steak. I'm sure it's much easier to replicate the processed stuff. Now you've taken this company very far on the verge of becoming publicly listed as an entrepreneur. What has been your biggest challenge in taking the company this far? Well, the, the biggest challenge is always people. Huh? Yes, it's like to, to get a good team. Lucky for me, I have a great great team in Mule. I would say that uh, you need to have the resiliency <laughs> when, you, when you start the business. Uh, you, you need to uh, understand that it's not easy and you need to work hard, uh, and especially when you create something new. So to get people that really believe, intrinsically believe in what you are doing is key uh, because you are living your life here. 
uh, to disrupt, to create something new. And when you create something new, you need to understand that people may not that that the market is not expecting you. Mm-hmm. You need to create that. Right. So when when I started Mulek and I started talking about modifying plants with animal protein genes, the people started saying, "What you are what are you doing?" <laughs> and now and now maybe not outside the alternative protein landscape, but inside our our internal industry, people understand what we are doing. People know that, that Mulex and there are other companies in molecular farming putting on the table a different approach, uh, but it's tough, you know, because you, you need to work hard internally to get your sign works and at the same time to convince the, the people that what, well, what you are doing is, is feasible is in, and, and could, could help uh, third parties to, to, to improve a, a final product, you know, to create a business. So, lucky for us, Mulek has a great team now. I, I, I have people that really knows how the traditional value chain works. That's key for me because we have a B2B model. Uh, we are disrupting the industry from the inside. We are not saying that the, 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 the traditional value chain is wrong. This is alternative. What we are doing is co-working with the R&D departments of the established players. So we believe that it's faster and it's a better way to co-work with established players. Um, and that's why we, we focus on, on B2B. And as I said before, most of the alternative protein companies are B2C. Right. Uh, they, they, they focus for so many years to create brands. Uh, and that's great for us because they, 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 they pave the way of our for our IP, our technology, and our future ingredients. It's certainly a concept that makes a lot of sense, that has multiple tailwinds behind it. The goal of being more environmentally friendly, less killing of animals, and trying to have a healthier diet. So that makes a lot of sense, and it sounds like you're doing amazing work at Mulek Science to figure out that uh, massive issue, because I'm sure it is not easy molecular farming, creating something brand new, trying to create a product and a market for it. Now, just one last thing before we let you go, Gaston. What time do you wake up and what's your favorite productivity hack? Well, the first one is 7.30, sorry, 6.30. Okay. Uh, Between 6.30 and 7. And the second one is to be with my kids. Okay. That's my, that's, that's the... At the end of the day, what, what I do is for them. You know, I see it this way. They are the fifth generation of, uh, of the traditional meat industry. So we, we, with Paladini kills um, close to 10,000 pigs per week. So I really want an alternative, not an alternative meat, also alternative answer for my kids. So they're, they're very little right now, but I really want, to, to tell the, the whole story here. Say, so, okay, this is the family business. We are proud of it. And that's fine. We are not against, but at the same time, that create uh, this uh, sustainable approach because I want to live a better world when I, when I go. So that's, that's why my kids are my, my, motiv- my, my motivation. I have a double motivation here. 
<laughs> and perhaps in 35 years, we can have the fifth generation, the next CEO of Mulek Science on the podcast when they're taking over the reins from you. But thank you so much, Gaston, for coming on, explaining molecular farming and the future of the alternative meat segment. It's really very intriguing and a lot going on there. So really appreciate your time today and wish you the best of luck. Thank you. Have a good one. All right. Take care. Bye, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Absolute Return Podcast. This episode was brought to you by Accelerate Financial Technologies. Accelerate, because performance matters. Find out more at accelerateshares.com. The views expressed in this podcast are the personal views of the participants and do not reflect the views of Accelerate. No aspect of this podcast constitutes investment, legal, or tax advice. Opinions expressed in this podcast should not be viewed as a recommendation or solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any securities or investment strategies. The information and opinions in this podcast are based on current market conditions and may fluctuate and change in the future. No representation or warranty, expressed or implied, is made on behalf of Accelerate. As to the accuracy or completeness of the information contained in this podcast. Accelerate does not accept any liability for any direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage suffered by any person as a result of relying on all or any part of this podcast, and any liability is expressly disclaimed.